Welcome to What's Up, Wellness from the Third Floor. This podcast is provided by the Wellness and Health Action Team, also known as WET, from Portland State University's Center for Student Health and Counseling, or SHAC. We're located in the Health Promotion Suite on the third floor of the University Center building on campus. Our purpose with this podcast is to discuss a variety of health-related topics in a way that will be accessible for a non-traditional campus. My name is Bella, and my pronouns are she, her, hers. My name is Josh, and my pronouns are they, them, theirs. And my name is Quinn. My pronouns are he, him, his. We're all members of the Wellness and Health Action Team, and we'll be your hosts for this podcast. Let's get into it. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the What's Up podcast. Today, we have Taylor Schwab here with us. He uses he, him pronouns, and he is the peer health educator for Shaq. So we're happy to have him back. It's been a year since we did our first episode with you. So it's really a full circle moment. Thanks for having me back again. And I know, happy birthday to the podcast. And (laughs) It seems only fitting that I'm back again on like the year anniversary. Um, and so let's do it. Let's have another fun conversation. Yeah, I'm super excited about today's conversation because I think it's really applicable to everyone. Like everyone wants to keep making improvements and changes in their life. And New Year's is as often the way that people try to go about it. And especially with going into 2021, everyone <laughs> is trying to hit restart and have a clean slate um, and have a more peaceful, you know, well year than the last year. So um, I'm excited to talk about this topic, um, especially with you, because you have your knowledge at, with a master's in public health, and we can really get into the nitty gritty of um, how to make change happen. Yes, I can't wait to, to bring that theory lens and talk about all of the reasons why things are the way they are and um, the method to the madness, really. And um, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. And I think you're so right that 2021 has got a lot of a lot of pressure on it. Like we're all looking to 2021 to be like, all right, get your ish together. Let's not be another 2020. Right. And so um, I think it's the perfect time to have this conversation. Right, exactly. And it's not like uh, January 1st, like everything is going to magically change. Right. So we're all just trying our best and doing what we can. Um, but So today we're going to talk a little bit about holistic wellness and what that looks like in general, and um, then really get into the the fine details of how to make a behavior change. So whether or not you're wanting to exercise more or uh, drink more water is going to be our example, Um, something like that, or you're wanting to meditate every day or do yoga, uh, whatever it is, um, we're going to help you break down the steps of how to make that happen for yourself. Absolutely. Yeah, so I wanna talk about, first of all, what is holistic wellness? Um, and you know, how does this fit into what we're talking about today? Yeah, holistic wellness, uh, I think it's a big broad term that scares a lot of people. And not gonna lie, it sounds kind of rich white lady, right? Like, oh, holistic wellness, like what is this? Like this doesn't apply to me. Um, But really it's what we're already talking about, what everyone goes through in life. It's really just the understanding of all of the different aspects of health and wellness that go into your life, right? So a lot of times when we hear the word health or wellness, we immediately think of, you know, physical fitness and like nutrition, like what are we putting into our body and are we like working out? 
And while those are definitely components of our, our holistic wellness and wellness in general, um, holistic wellness really goes far beyond that. It includes things like, you know, our spiritual health, emotional, social, environmental, financial, occupational wellness. There are so many different components that go into it and they're all intertwined with each other, right? So if you're struggling in one area, it's gonna find a way to seep into other areas. So if you're having a hard time with finances, that's not the only thing that's struggling. You're gonna have a hard time, you know, connecting with like emotional wellness because you're stressed out all the time. Maybe you're having a hard time with your social wellness because you can't go out and do all the same things that your friends are doing. Um, they're all interconnected and they really do play, play off of each other. And so when we're talking about holistic wellness, we're really talking about being aware of all of those different elements, not just one or the other. It's how we can like best take care of ourselves as a whole. Right, exactly. And you know, when you're talking about that overall wellness with all those different components, it can feel a little bit intimidating sometimes of like, oh my gosh, how do I take care of all of these things at once? Um, but really, it's just a process of making small adjustments along the way. And it's really a journey. And there is no destination. You're never going to be like completely fully well in all aspects <laughs> of wellness, right? So um, today, we're just going to talk about how you can make those small changes small changes, excuse me, to work towards, um, you know, improving one area of wellness in your life. And hopefully that will start to affect the other areas as well. Absolutely. Um, yeah, so I want to talk about how someone can get started on this journey and how New Year's resolutions fits into this. Does it actually help you make real changes in your life? Is it just BS that we've all been told? What, how does that actually work? <laughs> Yeah, there's a lot of pressure I feel like put on January of every year when it comes to like New Year's resolutions. People uh, have that mentality of new year, new me, and you know, it's a reset button. And that's far from the truth. Like, well, yes, it's, the idea is nice of having like a fresh start in January, which we do, we have a fresh start, we can do whatever we want. Um, but I think it's really important to have like a realistic goal or a realistic set, um, set up plan. And my favorite thing to actually do every January to take away that pressure from January is I like to come up with my New Year's resolutions in January. So I don't like to start beforehand. I like to use January as that month as my planning month. And then I don't actually start until February. Um, and that's because so many people are doing so many things in January. It gets really overwhelming. And I like to take a, take a pause and like, really think things through and walk through. I'm like, what's realistic for me? What can I actually do you know, in this year? And one of the things that I really like to do in that January is to look at habits, You know, look at what am I doing that's either gonna help me reach my goal or what's gonna hinder my ability of reaching that goal. And then I like to look at it from that smaller vantage point rather than I am gonna be healthy this year. I'm like, okay, what habits can I do to help get me there or get me closer? Right. And the way that you get to a habit. So let's break down. Let's define habit, first of all, so we can kind of have um, a same page to go off of. But a habit is something that you do whether or not you are aware of it. And so it's already part of your regular routine. It doesn't really take too much mental effort to do it because it's already, you know, part of your life. And these can be really challenging to create and also really challenging to like break and to adjust right and we've all had experiences with trying to break a bad habit or something that is labeled a bad habit um, and so behavior changes is going to be about editing habits that we already have or starting a completely new one and that can be a really 
challenging thing to do because you're completely adjusting the way your your body naturally functions right so um that's why we have to break it down so much and in terms of the role of new year's resolutions i don't think they're inherently bad i don't think there's something that's never going to work it's really about having intentionality behind it mm -hmm. and digging deep to the root of why you want to change the thing that you want to change and um and then breaking down that into smaller goals right so um one way i do that i just did um one of my goals was to focus more on school but instead of doing that i reframed it to i want to put energy into learning this year and school is one way i can do that but learning is really the core of what i want to do with that um and that way i can really stick with the motivation and and move forward with that instead of just focusing on the goals and if i don't hit the goals and i failed it you know all the all of that mm -hmm. Yeah, that's an awesome way to look at it is, you know, like it doesn't have to be this big, broad thing. Like I want to do well in school It's so daunting. Like, well, what does that really mean? And how do I get there? But focusing on the act of learning in general and education in general allows you a lot more wiggle room, which leads to more success because it's not so strictly defined and strictly structured where one step in the wrong direction and it's all gone. And it's like, what was the point of this? Versus if you have that wiggle room, you, there's so many different ways that you can reach a goal, right? And that allows you that mentality to be like, oh, okay, you know, it's just going to look a little differently. And that's that's awesome to have. Right. Um, and I think, you know, a lot of times people go along the process of trying to make a behavior change and they're not understanding why it's not working or, you know, they think it's just a failure of them or, you know, whatever it is. And so let's talk a little bit about how the stages of change happen. And that way we can kind of get a, a better understanding of the process. And once you can name the stages that you're in, mm -hmm. it can be validating and easier to understand that, you know, you're just still on the journey and that's a cycle that you have to keep working towards. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you're spot on. And that that's the reason why, like, these theories and models exist is because there's a reason why we as humans function the way we do, right? It's not all just up to chance. We don't all just like, oh my goodness, we all happen to think the same way or do things the same way. It's There's reasons behind it. And so um, we'll can formally introduce the stages of change model, um, which is a model that actually comes from the 80s. And I'm going to nerd out here a little bit because this is like literally all of my education has been around these kind of theories and models and this one particularly was centered around alcoholism and addiction and so the researchers in the 80s of this who are de clemente and prochaska um, they actually founded the model based off of their personal observations of people that they saw and people that they worked with who were trying to modify behaviors that they wanted to change or, or their problem behaviors that they had like smoking overeating uh drinking too much and what they noticed with all of those individuals is that they all tended to follow um, these stages of changes. They went through the same stages and in order to make that change, no matter what it was, whether it was smoking or overeating. And those stages consist of pre-contemplation, contemplation, preparation, action, relapse, and maintenance. And so we're going to break down each of those stages as we go about through this process of talking about how do we create a healthy habit? How do we edit one that maybe isn't super healthy? And we'll give deep dive examples as well. And so to kind of kick us off and get us started, I'll talk about the first stage, uh, which is pre-contemplation. And I think it's really important to acknowledge this one is because this is when you're not even thinking about 
making a change. So a lot of times people don't even know that they're in this stage because they're not thinking of anything. And this is, you know, when you are just content with the way you're living right now. And uh, for, for example, we talked about it earlier that we are going to do a, a walkthrough around drinking more water. Something so simple that we all know we should be drinking, you know, X amount of water, but it's proven to be quite difficult in practice, right? For a lot of people, not just, you know, you and I. And so if you're in the pre-contemplation stage for, you know, the habit of trying to drink more water, your thought process is going to look along the lines of like, you know, there's no way I'm dehydrated. I'm drinking plenty of water. I'm not worried about it. Um, I'm going to drink water when I get to it. If I'm feeling thirsty, I'm fine. Not a big problem in my life. I don't even want to think about it. So that's where you are. And a lot of times when people are in this pre-contemplation stage, it doesn't matter what everyone else says around you because you're just like, no, I'm good. I'm fine. And, you know, this is where a lot of times when someone is like, let's say a smoker and someone's like, oh, you know, you should really quit smoking. And they're like, no, I'm okay. It, it, it does more good for me than anything. So I'm content with it. And that's just where people are sometimes. And that's okay. And people are allowed to be in that early pre-contemplation stage. Right, exactly. Um, and I, I think there's a lot of reasons behind why someone might be in that stage. Um, and there also can be reasons why someone might have not made this change in the first place if they have been wanting to make this change. So whatever stage that you're in, sometimes there's barriers um, that make it a lot more challenging to make the change. Mm -hmm. And so let's talk about some different types of barriers because there's like more systemic ones. So there's you know, systemic levels like racism, poverty, where you live. These are all the things we study in public health, you know, access to food, these things that impact your health and your likelihood of being able to do a behavior and accessing that behavior. And so we call um, these things in public health, the um, social determinants of health. And it's really important to understand and validate that maybe you don't eat very healthy because you can't afford it, or that was mm -hmm. like the norm in the community that you grew up in. Um, and there's also barriers on a different level that are more personal, you know, individual barriers. So maybe you have like ADHD and getting organized or meditating might just look different for you, right? Maybe you're just a germaphobe, you have personal preferences and you just dread doing the dishes, but you want to do it so bad, right? Um, so there's personal preferences that might impact your motivation or the way you go about doing a behavior. Maybe you see other people doing it and you just feel like you're not able to access that. Um, and the way we view these tasks is also going to impact our ability to do them, right? So let's let's talk about understanding these barriers and helping you like release the judgments about yourself yeah. because we get so into like, oh my gosh, I, I don't drink enough water. I'm a bad person, right? Or I'm not <laughs> right? a healthy person. Um, but often there's a lot of reasons that go behind it that you might not even be understanding, right? Yeah, and I think it's that's one of the big reasons why like, I'm not a huge fan of the quote unquote, you know, the wellness industry, because it makes it seem like, you know, this wellness goal is easily attainable for anybody and everybody. And that's simply not true. Like right. we all have to check our privilege and check and see, you know, what kind of barriers do we have? And that's why I like the framework of wellness is really a journey, right? Our end destinations, A, we're never going to reach them, but B, they're going to look different for everyone. And that's okay. And that's normal. 
And so like someone who, let's say, does not have access to, you know, the highest quality of foods, whether it's because of location, whether it's because of finances or, or past, it doesn't really matter. The point is with like having like, a wellness journey is you see an area that you want to improve on and you do what you can in a realistic setting to help move you forward a little bit, right? It's not about, okay, I need to be perfectly healthy right now, starting tomorrow, because you're just setting yourself up for failure. And acknowledging those barriers, I think, is so crucial because we as a society don't like to talk about them. We don't like to acknowledge that there are barriers set up to make people fail or make it harder to succeed. And talking about it helps take away that stigma. And it helps, you know, have full-on conversations. And that's why I'm really happy that, you know, we're having this conversation, not from a, a wellness industry aspect or, or viewpoint, more so, though, as an individual lens of, all right, we want to benefit our, better ourselves. How can we do that and in a realistic way? Right. And I don't think, you know, identifying these barriers is about blame either. It's not about saying mm -hmm. like, oh, well, these are the reasons I can't do this. So I'm just not going to do it. Or I've been set up to fail. So that means I can never get healthy or feel good in my body and, and my soul and, you know, all these things. Um, and it's, yeah, it's more about identifying what the specific things are so you can say, okay, how can I work around that? So yes. maybe you don't drink very much water because the water coming from your faucet is not clean. Maybe it's been contaminated. Maybe you don't live in a safe area to do that, mm -hmm. you know? Um, maybe you can't even afford like getting more water bottles or getting a water filter or something like that so it's important to to see what that is so you can work around it right and that's a, a great example and a great segue into the next stage that we'll talk about which is the, the contemplation stage and, and this is the stage where you really start to consider all of the different possibilities of change right so now you're you're looking at your life and you're seeing a, a problem, whether it's, you know, a current habit that you um, want to edit and change because it's not the healthiest or the greatest, or you see a need that you're not fulfilling like at all. And you're looking at it and you're thinking about all of the options. So this doesn't mean like, yes, you're going to do it or no, you're not going to do it. This just means you're finally looking at the full picture. So you're looking at, okay, great. Maybe I want to get more water. What are my barriers that are in my way to get, you know, to drink more water? Is it the water around me isn't, isn't great. I would need to either A, invest in a filter, invest in more water bottles. Do I need to, you know, find other ways around it to get there? And is that worth it? I think that's really an important discussion to have as well with yourself. You know, are all of the hoops that you have to jump through um, worth it in the long run to get that behavior change? Because sometimes the answer is no. And I think that's really okay to acknowledge. Like, again, it's a journey. Maybe we're not at that stage right now to incorporate all of these changes because maybe you're going through a divorce. Maybe you are going through a move or you got hit really hard financially because of COVID, right? that's okay and acknowledging that fact that you're like you know i want to make this change one day but now is not the time that still puts you way farther ahead of anyone that's like you know still in that pre-contemplation stage and i think that deserves a pat on the back to acknowledge that hey i want to do this but let me put a pin in it absolutely that's a really really good point that i want to validate for people and again that you don't want to try to make too many changes at once right it's important to start small and start specific and 
you know, if you're going through all these hardships, you only have a finite amount of energy that you can devote <laughs> to anything really. So um, you only have so much energy in the day that you can give to something. And if drinking water is not the thing that you have time to focus on, then, you know, focus so be on your priorities, you know? Exactly. And if 2021 is anything like 2020, it's going to be a lot of outside forces that take a lot of energy from us, like whether it's the pandemic um, or, you know, um, things that were happening, like with the election or anything like that. There's going to be a lot of stuff that is going to take away our energy. And some days you're just not going to have any. And that's OK to 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 have that. And so in our water example that we've been using, um, what this stage looks like is you're looking at your drinking habits, you're looking at your drinking patterns, and you're seeing, you know, do I need to make a change? Um, you may decide, you know, no, after looking at everything, I'm drinking enough water, I don't feel dehydrated, I feel like this is good, I'm, I'm happy with it all. Or on the flip side, you may find out that, oh wow, I tracked my water drinkage for like the day and I did nothing, I drank nothing, right? And so that may be your decision in this pre-contemplation stage. And then once you decide, okay, I want to move forward with this behavior change. I want to drink more water. I want to do this. Um, you're going to head next into the preparation stage, which really is all about our, our goals and, you know, prepping for it, right? And, and part of that is making sure that you're creating goals that are going to set you up for failure, not, not set you up for failure, but <laughs> set you up for success. <laughs> Right. So let's identify um, those type of goals and goals that are realistic and also factor in the barriers that we were talking about. So um, we can use SMART goals, um, all capitalized, and that stands for specific, measurable, attainable, relevant, and time-bound. And this can make the change feel a lot less overwhelming. And it's actually psychologically proven to be more effective and help you with resiliency. Right. I mean, if you make a goal is, all right, my goal is to be hydrated. Okay. How are you going to do that? What does that look like? That's a big goal to have. Like, how do you know if you made it or not? But if you look at it from that smart lens, it's going to be like, by each day, end of each day, I am going to have you know, finish my 32 ounce bottle of water. Um, and then by the end of the month, I will be reaching, you know, X amount of water um, every single day. And it's, you're setting yourself up for, for success to actually look at how you're doing and how are you moving forward rather than this big, large goal that you're just like, la-di-da, I have no idea if I've made it or not made it because you can't measure it. And really that is essentially kind of, the whole preparation stage. That's really when you're weighing out all of the pros and the cons to making this behavior change. You're, you know, you're looking at the good, the bad, the ugly, everything that goes into it. So this doesn't mean that you're going to be a hundred percent committed when you're at this preparation stage. Um, you know, you can still have your ambivalence or your doubt that you even need it or you want to do it, but overall you're like, it's worth looking into, it's worth moving forward on it. And in this stage, this is when you're pulling together 
all of that, that information and the details on how you can create a plan and goals to set you up for success with a behavior change. Um, so a lot of this stuff is that behind the scenes work. So in our water example, you may be researching what is the recommended water amount I should be drinking. Um, you may be finding out other testimonials from your friends or family who are like, oh, this is what I do to make sure I'm drinking enough water. Um, and maybe you're making any necessary purchases that you you want to help set you up for success. So whether it's like a water bottle that tells you when to drink, how much by, maybe it's just setting an alarm on your phone to be like, all right, every time my alarm goes off, I'm going to finish my glass of water that's in front of me, right? It's You're doing a lot of that behind the scenes stuff to set you up for success. And my one piece of advice with this is to be not like me at all. I often find myself getting stuck in the preparation stage. I want to write everything out. I want to have like a detailed model, all of these plans. And I get so stuck in my own head with creating this plan and this structure on how I'm going to do it that by the time I'm ready to do it, I've lost all energy and motivation because I've spent so much time planning for it. So sometimes it's best just to create a quick little plan and then go and then see how it works and then adjust as, as you see fit. Exactly. Yeah. And I, I really want to um, dig deep into that motivation piece because I think that's the bridge that can take you from preparation to action mm -hmm. and actually doing the behavior and helping it stick. Right. And so one way that I think is important to do this is um, having a healthy motivation and one that's deep for you. So having it be positive instead of negative. So maybe it's, um, I want to work out because I want to feel strong and I want to have more energy mm -hmm. um, rather than, you know, I want to lose weight or stop being overweight or whatever it is. Right. So right. like I said earlier in my example, I want to focus on learning instead of just, I want to do better in school. Right. So, um, so that's something that you can try to focus on is even writing down your motivation. And you can also frame this as having like your motivation and your vision. So overall, mm -hmm. I want to feel healthy and I want to feel good and I want to feel, um, you know, well and cleansed and strong in my body and my mind and my soul and all of that. But the actual way you do that is going through these SMART goals, going through the mm -hmm. preparation, right? So sometimes separating those two things can be a good thing to go back to when it gets more challenging. Yeah, and I think you you hit the nail on the head. It's a This is a hard thing to do that we're talking about. Changing a behavior, adding a new habit, taking out a bad habit, that's hard. And there's gonna be a lot of roadblocks that we face. And if you're able to set up a positive motivator rather than a negative one when you hit those challenges and those setbacks and you relook at why are you doing this you want to be reminded of something positive like you know i do want to feel strong i do want to feel confident in my skin rather than you're right i want to not be overweight or i want to lose weight right and so having those positive motivators really help propel you forward rather than hindering your ability to move forward and when it comes to that action stage, really that positive motivator is crucial because that really helps, uh, helps A, you put your plan into action, but it also helps keeping you moving through that action plan. Um, and so the action stage is really just about making the change or adding in your new habits into your routine. And this is where you really are gonna start seeing your successes as well as your missteps. Like there's no way around it, you are gonna see good and bad things happen while you make this change, right? You're gonna have days that you're like, oh my gosh, this is the easiest thing ever. I am crushing it. 
And then you're going to have other days where you're like, oh my God, I failed completely at this. And that's okay. And it's going to happen. And that action stage does not mean, great, I'm now successfully doing this behavior change day in, day out, every single time. It means you're putting in the work and the effort to start the change, to see where it happens and where it goes, whether it's up, down, or stagnant. And in our water example, this action stage is, okay, great, I am focused on drinking more water every day, right? However I set up my plan to be, whether it's that water bottle, that phone reminder, um, having just a big gallon of water next to me that I'm gonna finish before the end of the day, whatever it may be, I'm starting to go through that process, right? And that's that's the action stage. Yeah, absolutely. And you could also make it fun too. I think fun mm -hmm. is something that <laughs> we have all been lacking in this past year. And I would love to integrate more fun into making behavior changes. So maybe like your workout includes a really fun playlist that you just- Oh made. yeah. Or for the water example, like I got a water bottle, a nice one. I did not invest in like the big, name brand <laughs> hydro flask it's okay let me just validate for you portlanders out there if you don't have the name brand hydro flask it's okay mm -hmm. you're still cool um Off but brands I, work just as well <laughs> yes i put like really fun stickers all over it and made it really feel like me and it now it's a mm -hmm. part of me i bring it everywhere and having that like fun personalized way to remind myself to drink water is a really great way to you know make it enjoyable to do it I think you're absolutely right. Like the, the funness really has gone away in 2020. A lot of the things we're doing because we have to do, and it seems so hard. Um, other great ways, you know, to incorporate fun, you know, you can challenge someone if you want, like if competition like really motivates you and like doing something as a group, like you don't need to be together in person to have a competition. You can challenge each other to do a workout every morning or, if you've got like a, a Fitbit or an Apple watch, I know you can challenge each other that way. Or maybe it's just you work together with a friend. Every morning you all Zoom together while you do a workout or you Zoom after your workout to talk about how it went. For me, my, my fun that I've incorporated to all of my health changes is I do a bullet journal. And so like every month I get to spend some time like doodling it all out. Like what's my theme for the month gonna be? Make things pretty and fun. And I've included things like, habit trackers that I want to like see how well I'm doing. Uh, how can I log like how much sleep and how much water I'm getting so that way I can see a fun little graph at the end of the month and then look and see, oh, whoops, I completely forgot about drinking any kind of water during finals week. Like what was up with that? Um, and to me, that's fun. I know not everyone thinks that's fun, but that's, that's the point, right? It doesn't really matter what anyone else thinks. It's that if it motivates you and you find it fun, incorporate it somehow. Yeah, exactly. And like, um, I have an example too of I like to exercise and do you know physical fitness around other people, but you know we can't really do that right now. <laughs> um, Campus Rec actually is offering Group X classes, which is their fitness groups um, online. So they're virtual, and I have been like finding ones that I really like that sound exciting and scheduling them into my calendar, so that way I have it already there. Oh link is there I you know my excuses are limited and I can just be right in my home I can leave whenever I want I, it's easier to be on time right so um it's fun to like schedule those things and find things that sound like exciting for you you know there's so many ways that you can plan these actionable steps to be something mm -hmm. that are enjoyable that will stick a little bit better there's also habit stacking which is 
um, pairing your new behavior with a habit that you already do. So remember we talked about a habit is something you already do really like pretty regularly. So an example is you can add flossing to your routine when you brush your teeth. Like if you're consistently brushing your teeth, you can add something onto that and pair it. Um, if you always take your like medication at a certain time, you can use that as a reminder to do something else, to drink more water, you know, whatever it is, um, or to journal. And these habit stacking behaviors can be a lot easier to remember than being like, oh my gosh, I have to remember all these new things, right? Yeah, I know at the beginning of quarantine, which nine months, I think at this point, but like, woof, um, I really wanted to up my nighttime routine of like my my oral health care. So kind of like what you're saying, like with the flossing thing, what I decided to do was I wanted to like really up that and like I wanted to do flossing and different types of mouthwash and all of that. So what I ended up doing was I got some nice little acrylic bottles that I poured my mouthwashes in and I have them right there on my um, countertop in the bathroom. And so when I do go brush my teeth, I immediately see the floss and the mouthwashes right next to it. I'm like, oh, well, I'm already here. Let's just do that. And I found that as like the easiest way to get you into a new routine into creating new habits is when you just put it right on top of something else. And then it's so easy to do it because you're brushing your teeth is pretty ingrained into a lot of us. And so I'm in that bathroom and I see my toothbrush. I'm like, oh, let me just do everything else while I'm already here. Um, it makes it so much easier. Right, exactly. And um, I want to move us into talking about when it's less easy and when it's, you know, not feeling as accessible to actually do the behavior, especially for, I just want to shout out those of us with mental health challenges. Like sometimes you just get into a rut where it's really, really challenging to do the things that make you feel good and healthy, right? Mm -hmm. So how can we normalize the fact that you won't be able to do this 100% of the time? And how can we like embrace these setbacks as a part of the process? Right. And I think part of that conversation is acknowledging that setbacks are going to happen for everybody. Right. And so like letting you know that like just because you messed up or maybe you had a relapse or maybe you, you know, didn't do it for whatever reason, you're not going to be the only one who has decided their new habit of drinking water and then you stopped drinking water. Right. So there's a lot of help in that normalizing everyone's going to go through these different setbacks and it's a-okay. You're not the only one. And it's so common that they built that into the model. That is the, it's not a formal stage, um, but they built in the aspect of relapsing right on in, into the model itself. Um, we're expected to have those relapses and those slip-ups when incorporating new behavior change because no one is perfect, right? So there will be those days that you forget to drink water because you're so busy. You forgot your water bottle, or maybe you're just in a slump and you're just like, I have no energy, so I'm not going to. And that's that's okay. That's built into this theory. And you're going to have those days where you have low motivation and you're not going to want to keep going. And I think one of the other big things to, to help you understand that this is okay and it's going to happen is defining your relationship with failure. What does that look like to you? How do you use this word of failure or setback to help move you forward rather than like completely hindering your ability to move forward? 
Right. And I think that's going to look different for everyone. I know my, I myself, I've been working on my relationship with failure my whole life. And I think Mm -hmm. I probably will continue for the rest of my life um, because it's so, you know, ingrained in me that failure is bad. Right. But when we look at the growth mindset of seeing failure as an opportunity, seeing it as an opportunity to learn and grow, then that's something we can actually see as a positive. Right. So, oh my gosh, yes, I failed. That means it's time to make adjustments and to go back to my motivation and see why am I doing this in the first place? And then just um, make adjustments to the change as you go. Right. Um, So, how can you kind of reclaim the word failure? Maybe that's not the word you want to use. Maybe it's setback. Maybe it's another word that you find that is serving you. But I think having that um, set up ahead of time, because spoiler alert, mm-hmm. you will fail at some point. <laughs> um, setting that up ahead of time, how how are you going to address this when it happens? Right. Um, it's really important so that you don't just go down the hole of, okay, I failed at the whole change. I'm just not going to do it. I'm not going to drink water, you know? Yeah. And I think it's so important to acknowledge that if you fail at, you know, your goal or you have a setback, however you want to frame it, because I'm the opposite of you, Bella. I hate the word failure. I would much rather use it as a setback because I'm not done yet. Like I'm still ready to keep going. So I like to use setback. So like when you do have a setback and you feel bad about it, if you look at it from a different viewpoint or a different vantage lens, you're like, I feel bad about messing this up because this is important to me. This is something that I really value that I do want to drink water. And then if you pair that with having like a positive motivator that you wrote down at the very beginning of, why you wanted to do this because you wanted to be confident in your own skin and you know you wanted to have all of these benefits you pair the two together and you're like ah, why am i so upset that I, I mess this up oh yeah that's because i wanted all of these great positive things to happen from this you can leverage that to get you back up on that horse and keep going right because like you said you're gonna fail you're gonna have setbacks so using those tools to help propel you forward for once those do happen um, is super crucial and super key. Right, exactly. And so once we've kind of moved past this stage of relapse and, and you know, working with ourselves and making adjustments, how do we um, keep this behavior going and turn it into a habit, something that we don't even have mm-hmm. to think about, something that just happens and is part of our daily routine? Yeah, so it's important to acknowledge that the relapse isn't really a stage, right? Like I said, it's kind of just a moment in time and that can happen really anywhere in the model. Um, but a lot of the times it's going back and forth and you're in the action stage, you're doing a mixture of action relapse, action relapse, you're, you're figuring out you know, how to make it stick. And then at some point, whether it's gonna be your first try, your 100th try, your 1,000th try, at some point, if you stick with it, you're gonna create something that works. And when it works, you start consistently doing it, right? And that is going to put you in our next stage, um, which is our final formal stage, which is the maintenance stage. Um, And this is when, you know, you're able to maintain that changed behavior over a sustained period of time. Um, And the more time that goes about you doing it, the more firmly established it becomes as a habit and the less it looks like a, you know, something you have to focus on, something that you have to dedicate energy, effort, and time to. Um, And uh, the more time you go with it, the less likely you are to 
kind of slip back into, into your old ways. So with our water example, you know, at some point you would just consistently start drinking the water, whether it's in your water bottle that you have, the water jug you're using, um, your phone reminders, you just kind of continually do it. You don't even think about it. And then enough time goes by where you're just like, oh, okay, I just drink water now. Like, I love this journey for me, to quote Schitt's Creek, right? You find it actually being part of who you are. And there is no set time. A lot of times people say it takes, you know, four weeks to build a habit, maybe in theory, but everyone really is different. And it depends on when you're doing it, how, what, what the habit is and how, how involved is it in your life with trying to change it. So for me, I say, focus less on, oh, I've got to hit four weeks of doing this action consistently. And then it's a habit. And then I'm done, right? I've made the, I made it to the term habit. I finished. That doesn't really mean anything. It's until you as an individual have it incorporated into your life where you don't think about it, right? And so, for example, of that oral health care that I gave you all with like my flossing, mouthwash, and brushing my teeth example, I had it down pat for like the first six months of quarantine. I was like, oh, this is great. I'm done. And then uh, something happened and threw me off. And then whoops, there it all goes. Right. And so that's a great example of like, you know, technically it should have been a habit. I shouldn't have had to worry about it, but I used that relapse and kind of fell back into going back into that action stage of like, okay, I'm going to start going and spending more time, energy, and effort again to try to get back into the swing of things. Um, so in order to make it a habit, it really boils down to just you as an individual feeling comfortable with where you are in that action stage and be like, okay, I've incorporated this into my life. It's, it's here to stay. Right. And I just want to like reinforce, I think we said this before, but to try to do just like one or two, maybe three changes at once and not try to change your entire life <laughs> all in one day, right? Like tomorrow I'm going to be healthy and I'm going to go for a run at 6am. Like that's not going to be realistic. Right. So, right. Um, so just understanding that this is a slow process and for those who are who are listening to this and um maybe they're in the contemplation stage they they want to make a change and they're listening to this to figure out how they can do it um how how can understanding these stages that we just walk through how can that help us get started on those goals yeah i think knowing that there's a rhyme or reason is so helpful for a lot of people, right? This idea of this big, broad change you want to make is so daunting and so scary. And it's easy to be like, I don't want to worry about it. But when you break it down into these stages and you can identify, oh my gosh, I'm right here. What's next for me to do is this. And making something so short-sighted is really helpful for taking the next first step. And that's really all a wellness journey is. It's what's the next step? What's the next step? I say it twice because it's that important. It's not about, I want to be healthy. That's never going to work. Your next step is going to be, I want to drink more water. I want to, you know, prioritize taking, going for a run every morning. I want to prioritize my friends right now because my social wellness is taking a hit with the pandemic and social distancing. It's identifying those small action things that you can do. And like you said, Bella, doing one at a time and just focusing on small actionable steps to move you forward because the cycle that we just walked through is really cyclical in nature. 
And so while we say here is the stage, go to what's next, it doesn't mean that you have to go in that full circle every single time. It's there's no defined starting or stopping point. You can really jump in at any time. So like, for example, let's say I forget to drink my water during finals week because it's finals week, right? It's really stressful. There's a lot going on. And after that, I may go back into the contemplation stage and reassess, well, is do I still want to do this behavior change? Is drinking water important to me? Is it something that I feel like I, I need to do? And I may notice, like, yes, I saw a lot of changes when I was you know, drinking more water. I want to get back in on this. Or maybe you may realize, you know what? No, there, there wasn't much benefit. I don't want to prioritize this anymore. And both actions are really valid. And you come and go and you can get in and out of the cycle really whenever, whenever you need to. And it doesn't always go in the same order. So if you're in the action stage doing the thing and then you have a relapse, you may get right back into the action. But, okay, I want to go back to it. Or maybe you may, you may jump right back to pre-contemplation to where you forget all about it because life is stressful and hectic and chaotic. And then next thing you know, months go by and you haven't thought about drinking water or you haven't thought about brushing your teeth uh, and that oral health care routine. And that's okay. And that's really helpful to know that whatever pathway you choose and whatever route you go, this whole model and theory was designed for that, right? So again, it goes back to that normalizing like, oh, how I'm processing these things and going through these things is so normal. And it's not just me failing or it's not just me not completing this to, to, to fruition. It's all a part of the process. Because again, it's not about the destination. It's not about being healthy. It's about what can you do to get a little closer to your, to your you know, journey? What's that next step? Right. And I, I think the important thing to remember is to focus on the action itself and not your own worth or abilities. Right. So like you mm -hmm. said, I didn't fail at this because I, uh, I just am not a person who can drink water. Like maybe right. that, that didn't work because I went about it this way. Maybe I can make small adjustments. Maybe like if I put my water bottle on the nightstand, I'll remember it. I, for me, every time I look at my water bottle is I take a sip and that's a way that I remember mm -hmm. to do it, right? So making sure it's visible, making sure it's easy and accessible and just always there can be a way to do it, right? And so, um, yeah, that's the, that's the important thing to just keep making adjustments. Even sometimes when it becomes a habit, you still might need to make adjustments, right? Maybe a habit mm -hmm. isn't going to work for you anymore after a few years and you're like, okay, well, that, it doesn't work like that anymore, right? Things change, things right. evolve, and to embrace the process and just make adjustments wherever you are. Yeah, I think that's, the, that's the, a big key factor is being able to separate your self-worth and this process that you're choosing to go through. Because this process, like we've said, you are going to have those setbacks, those failures, those ups, those downs, and being able to identify that just because you messed something up or you made a mistake does not mean that you are the mistake, right? It's what you set up wasn't right. And we do that all the time in a million other things. We, when we're playing a, a sport game, you know, I don't really play those, but like if you are one of those people who play a sport game and you maybe you try something new that doesn't work, you don't say, well, I should never play the sport again. You're just like, oh, that play didn't work because of a million different reasons. It's what else can I do to try to get points or however sports really work, right? <laughs> but it's all, 
all about that's a really horrible analogy. I don't know why I chose to go. Why would you have all people sports? <laughs> I don't know. It, it's what crossed my mind. But really, it's about, you know, looking at what is the actual setback. The setback was what I created to help me with this, you know, new behavior or new change didn't work. Not I didn't work, right? Those two are very different. And if you can separate those, and if you pair that with like your positive reinforcement and your positive motivators, like the reasons why you're doing all of this, that really sets you up for success. Because when you do have those moments and you go back, you're like, okay, this is why I'm doing it. It's positive. I know that this doesn't define me. What does define me is my ability to keep going and to want to make these positive changes for myself. So I'm going to tweak it, change it, do whatever I need to do to help keep me moving forward rather than just, well, I failed. I'm a failure because that's what we want to avoid. Definitely. And I think a way to do that of, um, you know, going back to those motivators and making adjustments is to write it down. And because mm -hmm. that way you can remove it from your head and remove it from being clouded in all of your, you know, self judgments and self worth and all of that. And if you write it down, um, you can actually see it happening in real time. So that's um, yeah. a way to you know, understand it and be like, okay, well, I did it this way. And then I can adjust this part of it. But this part, I want to keep the same. Um, so we are actually going to make a template, um, so to speak. So you can actually write these down. So we're going to have a section, you know, for you can write your smart goals, you can write down your motivations, you can write down specifically what your action plan is. Maybe you're doing a habit stacking, you know, what makes it challenging wow. those barriers that we talked about, right? Um, so this way you can kind of walk through it with yourself and keep it on hand when it gets more challenging. Yeah. And I think writing it down is so helpful, whether it's on, you know, a Google doc, if it's in person, even if it's just chicken scratch on the back of an envelope, writing it down gets it out of your mind and it feels a little bit more realistic and it feels more real. Like, oh, I'm really doing this. It's written down somewhere. And then being able to go back to it and relook at it and edit it and add more to it really helps A, hold us accountable, but B, it sets us up to, to continue doing it, which is one of the big reasons why I, I love bullet journaling so much. And that's something that works for me because it's a hard copy of my thoughts and things that I'm going through and things that I want to do that it's something that I can check off or something that I don't check off. And that helps motivate me to be like, I didn't do it today. Why didn't I not do it? And it helps me identify what are my barriers that I have. And then once they're written down, you can kind of figure out a little easier how to overcome those um, and to help, again, keep you on the journey rather than just giving up. Right. And I also want to say that, um, you know, when starting this journey of making these changes, I would start with something that's a little bit less high stakes, like drinking water yes. is not super high stakes. Um, you know, quitting drinking or quitting smoking is going to be a lot more challenging, right? <laughs> and might require other skills that are outside of the scope of what we talked about today, right? Mm -hmm. So um, start small to really build this skill and you can work up towards something that's bigger or more challenging or requires a lot more elements, right? Um, and you can also use Shack Counseling. If you're a PSU student, you can use them as a resource to be your go-to person, you know, checking in with your stages of change and mm -hmm. with your behavior and having someone to really ground you and bring you back, right? Um, and we can also refer you to other places if it's not a good fit, right? We really wanna make sure that you can do this journey in a way that feels empowered for you and that you feel well throughout, right? Um, 
I also want to shout out another resource on campus, uh, which is the academic coaching. You know, I'm always the resources gal. Um, the academic <laughs> coaching through the Learning Center, it can really, really help with school-related behavior change. So if you're really wanting to work on your study habits, um, you're wanting to do better in school or, you know, focus on learning like we talked about, the academic coaches can actually help you break down those things and those goals that you have and really work you through that journey. Um, so check out the resources we have at PSU um, that can help you with aspects of this change. But again, like you, you could do this on your own if you need to, because you are, you know, you're capable of a lot more than you think you are. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I also want to go back to to the idea of, you know, starting small with like something that you can realistically do, like knowing like it's going to be different for everyone in every situation, right? Like what's easy for me may be really hard for you, right? And don't let the idea of, oh, this should be something that's easy, an easy win for me. Why am I struggling so much with it? Don't let that bog you down and like find something that's an easy win or something that it's like easier for you personally to do, right? That may be something like, you know, flossing, like habit stacking, like flossing with your brushing your teeth, or that may be drinking water, actually exercise. It could be a lot of things, right? So knowing what works for you is really important. And then like also important is to set yourself up for that success. So like if you do pick something that is an easier win at the first time you try this, A, not only are you gonna be more likely to succeed because it's, it's an easier thing to do, but that also gives you a lot of momentum. And I don't know if you're anything like me, Belle, but once I do something like really well, or like I check something off, I'm like, oh, I am the king of the world. I can accomplish this. Like there is no stopping me. I am, you know, a boss. Let's do this. And then use that motivation to then maybe move on to something that's going to be a little bit more challenging because you have the motivation, you have the, the drive. You're like, I can do this. Let's go. That only comes from like, once you get your first win versus if you pick something really hard to do your first time, like trying to build the skill and you're going to get a lot more setbacks and failures along the way that may just take out all of the wind in your sail and be like, I don't even want to try this anymore. I'm done. That's what we want to avoid. Right? So it may be one easy win and then a bunch of other ones that are also kind of easier to do to help build up your momentum. Maybe it's you do something easier and then you go right to the hard one. That doesn't really matter what, what it looks like. All that matters is that you're building that momentum. Um, and that's probably like my, my final piece of advice is know yourself and use yourself as an advantage because no one knows you better than you, right? So knowing what's your internal motivator, know what's going to help, you know, drive you know what's going to help make you feel positive about certain things and capitalize on each one of those things because you know yourself really well. Set yourself up for success by incorporating all of those different elements that leave you feeling good, re-energized, and like motivated and incorporate them throughout all of these various stages. Right, exactly. And I think you can also like embrace that gradual process. You know, if you drink only soda going straight to water, that might not be super exciting for you. Um, so be real maybe, hard too. maybe you have an intermediate step. Maybe you go from soda to sparkling water. Maybe you flavor your water with fruit or something, you know, whatever mm -hmm. it is to make it exciting and fun. And understand that it it can be a slope it doesn't have to be like point a to point b yeah i did it you know yeah cold turkey is really hard to do right giving up something completely whether it's soda drinking smoking whatever it may be 
quitting something cold turkey can be done and it does work for a certain types of people, right? Like I know plenty of people who like went vegan like one day completely without ever taking any other steps. They went from meat eating to anti-meat eating. Um, and that's great. If that works for you, do it cold turkey. But a lot of people can't do it. And so don't try to force it if it's not going to work for you. Like take those gradual steps, whether it's, you know, soda every day to soda every other day, then it's maybe soda every third day. And then it's once a week. And then maybe it's sparkling water five times a week. And then you cut that down, right? It's, there's no one pathway to success. It's a million different ways and do whatever works for you, no matter if it's a super slope, a super like, you know, intense slope or from one to nothing, or maybe it's super gradual where you just take your sweet time, but you're moving forward, right? You're taking that right first step. That's really all that matters. Right, exactly. And understanding that on that upward trend, there's going to be bumps in the road. But if overall, you're moving towards a place that you feel well, and you feel healthy and confident in all aspects of your wellness, then that's a win. You know, any any step forward is a step forward, right? Mm -hmm. All right. Well, I think that wraps up our conversation for today. Thank you so much for being here, Taylor. Yes, thanks for having me. It's always a good time. Our thanks again to Taylor for joining us for this week's episode. Again, this is a year since our first episode, so we thank you all for your support and your continuing to listen to our podcast. We put so much love into this, and we love to hear from you, so feel free to leave us some feedback in the Google form linked below. And don't forget to check out the template for you know, making your SMART goal and forming your new habits that we will be leaving in the description of this episode. Please come back to it if you want to make another goal and share it with people in your life who would want to, you know, form a new habit and work on their health. Um, With that said, happy new year. And I hope everyone is taking care of themselves during all of the changes happening in the world right now. Um, We love you and we thank you again for your support. We'll catch you next week on Wednesday with our next episode. For Winter 2020, The Hut will be out on campus on Wednesdays from 11 to 1 and Thursdays from 10 to 12. Follow us on Instagram at PSU underscore what to find out where we'll be and and to get more wellness content from us. The link to the Instagram and our website is in the description of this episode. Thank you all for listening and take care of yourself today. Bye.